This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking On the Rocks. It's a good drink. I think that's just ice in a glass. You got to put something in it. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Hi! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies and more weekly. We dig into movies via mostly spoiler for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topic. This is episode 425. 425. Wow, I mean, I'm pretty certain that's, like, in Atlanta, right? You tell me, Abe. 425. Where is 425? Where in the world is 425? Here it comes. Uh, oh. Washington State? Mm. Washington State, yes. Okay, now we know. Well, now we know, yeah. Well, all of our listeners out in the 425, what's up? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what well, This week, for episode 425, in honor of Washington, we're talking On the Rocks, <laughs> the, <laughs> new, <laughs> the new film uh, from director Sofia Coppola, uh, her, available now on Apple TV+, Plus, an Apple original film. And joining us to discuss On the Rocks and plenty more, we have, coming in from Blade Runners Los Angeles, cruising the streets in his red Alfa Romeo, it's Jonathan Van Dyke. I'm going, going, back, back to Out Now Podcast. <laughs> oh, I, I like the uh, song choice there for your car. John, how, how are you doing today? We're hanging in there, you know. We're, you know, it's it's just the Sunday before some something i don't know, you know. a super, some, a some super tuesday some up. would say some, some big summit, yeah do you have any do you have any halloween hangover from all the candy you ate uh i did i did kind of do too much last what, night what I kind had, of candy guy uh, are you are you a sour did, guy a chocolate guy what are you doing oh no i mean it's gotta be chocolate the candy's not even worthwhile if it, if it doesn't have a base of chocolate you're, well, my problem, now. you're a tall drink of water maybe you have a lot of laffy taffy i don't know Listen, my problem last night is I <laughs> I ate like a big lunch and so then I ate like a lunch for dinner and then that ended up being like a split like almost evenly between dessert and real food at night and then the, like dessert was like a cookies and scream cheesecake so what are you eating John <laughs> so my body had some issues like it was like what did you do to me I, I'm, reala- <laughs> I'm realizing just now that I had a piece of chocolate in my shorts that I was wearing yesterday and then I put those shorts in the wash and now I'm very <laughs> concerned what just happened with those fans with that just because well, I'm just now, now you know that. everything's uh, everything's gonna smell sweet <laughs> Like I'm tempted to get up out of this chair right now to check on those shorts because I'm like they must still be in there. I mean, you're you're almost like Michael Myers. You're like in Michael Myers in Halloween Resurrection where you killed that that security guard and put him in the dryer. That's such a specific reference to the worst I just Halloween. A lot of Halloween for, for the worst it, Halloween it's movie. It's November, okay? It's November. <laughs> oh, sorry. Get with it. <laughs> Michael Myers has gone back to Haddonfield, or no, back to the si- insane asylum. Back to the insane asylum in, in, until the next time they're like, you know what's a good day to yeah. ship Michael Myers into a new prison? Probably Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's what happens? He's just like that's what it would happen. Just, though. So we just you know, saw he, Halloween twenty eighteen. Like, like the car of like the person he killed, and he just drives back to the insane asylum. Like, all right, I'm back. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like a real Arkham asylum over there in Illinois. It's, uh, let me tell you. <laughs> All right, let's get to some show notes real quick. Yes, let's. Uh, first up, uh, speaking of Halloween, we've just finished October, which means we just <laughs> finished wrapping up our five separate Halloween-themed or horror-themed October specials. We had a lot of fun this past month fun. with uh, friends fun. of the show, Brandon Peters, Jimmy O, Jason Coleman, and special guest Yancey Burns as well for our commentary track for Psycho, which is up now. 
And also, we have uh, we had an episode on diversity in horror. We talked about the Friday the 13th for the 40th anniversary of that film, the arachnophobia for the 30th anniversary of that film, and as well as uh, giallo and Italian horror. So just all kinds of really cool options there as far as what we talked about this year. And that joins a collection of many horror specials we have that's all available everywhere you can find our show, which includes an audio boom where we have a playlist that actually is separated by horror, where you can find all of those episodes because we've done a lot of different really cool horror specials. Uh, But you also find those on iTunes, all of every episode of our show. Speaking of which, reviews and ratings on iTunes would be great. If you want to log on iTunes, search for out now, Thunder Name, give us a rating review. That'd be very welcome. Thank you so much in advance. Give us five stars. Hashtag boo. Uh, what else? It's November. I'm sorry, John. You're supposed to say make gobble it, now. Make it turkey. Yeah, there we yeah, go. Yeah, hashtag gobble. gobble. Boom. Um, let's Seasonal see. synergy. On, a, <laughs> on last week's episode, at the very end, if you stay tuned, we had a, an interview with the directors, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who made the film Synchronic. That's out now, currently in theaters and drive-ins especially. Um, I also released that, uh, that special segment uh, separately on the iTunes feed as well. And everywhere you can find our show. So you can find that like 15-minute interview that I did with those directors available separately as well now. So feel free to tune into that if you didn't want to listen to our very cool episode last week that covered a variety of movies. A lot um, of movies. Yeah. But uh, if you have a small bit of time and you're like, I want to listen to that, you can do that. Yeah. And, hashtag J-Bam. Yep. And um, <laughs> that's that's going to do it for show notes. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to uh, let's get to our one of our favorite segments here. What we would have talked about this week where things not to have changed, but hopefully change back again sooner or later. This is where we go over what the movie would have been that we would have talked about this week if things did not change in our uh, post-Bloodshot era. Man, do you guys remember theaters? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, I've I reached... feel like I feel like Frodo at the end of uh, Lord of the Rings, like, oh, I don't remember the smell of these dirty seats and the smell of this fake oil popcorn butter. Good but job, Rudy. Sam. The, the parking in a cumbersome parking garage that's attached to, like, the mall that it's in. <laughs> what floor are we on? Don't forget to validate your parking. Team. Don't forget to validate. Do not. <laughs> yeah, we're done. This is, go- <laughs> <laughs> this is going a long way towards there was actually nothing originally planned to come out this week. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Dodge that bullet. Uh, I was trying about how John Van Dyke likes to go to the theater. I was trying to find like what movie was originally going to be released on October 30th, oh. and there's actually like there's there's stuff for this coming week, but nothing as of, as of now. And generally, on the the first the weekend of Halloween, you don't tend to see many releases. You see things like the week before, the weeks before, like Halloween Kills was going to be two weeks before or whatever. But and, things yeah. that are coming out on Halloween tends to be like random stuff, like High School Musical three was like one year. Um, so. Uh, to pivot away from that, because I did, there is something that happened. Uh, a film that did go to theaters this week, which was intriguing, was Alita: Battle Angel. Yeah, <laughs> it was re-released. It went, it got a re-release. It got a fancy new poster. Robert Rodriguez was all like, "Guys, you got to go see Alita again." And James Cameron's like, "Guys, D- Disney and Fox want me to like do something cool, and instead of making an Abyss Blu-ray, I'm like, what if I put Alita back in theaters?" <laughs> uh, so that's what happened. Uh, yeah, we're, we're fans it, of that movie. Yeah, we're we're fans of that movie. John, were you, were you a fan? Did you see Alita: Colon Battle Angel? Uh, I have not seen it. Well, you should uh, you should go full, see that. Full disclosure. Not not in theaters. I'm, you should go watch. I was actually I actually very nervously checked today uh, at the Paramount Drive-in, hoping it still had Tenet, and it does. And I'm like, 
Maybe this will be the week. Maybe this will be the week. We should do that. Is the Paramount is that a is that a double? Like, do they do two movies or just one? They do, but I think I don't. I don't even get it. It's very confusing. You can't even pre-buy the tickets. It's like, but they have like two on each screen. But I think you just come for one. I don't know. What I was gonna What I was gonna say is that Synchronic has been playing with Tenet, which is very fitting and just a really cool double feature. So you should do that if you can. Mm-hmm. I'll is, uh, is the Paramount <laughs> Drive-In like next to the Paramount Theaters or just in the city? I just know it's like Flat far school. away to the east. It's like an hour. Every drive-in's like an hour away, and I'm like, oh, from where well, you are, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, where I am is where many Angelinos live. Okay. All He's right. a real Angelino, Aaron. Yeah, all Angelinos come from Iowa. I get it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ooh, I didn't say what. <laughs> I didn't even say anything about Iowa. I didn't make fun of Iowa. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> all states should have four letters. That's what I say. Um, all state, the insurance company? Yes, all states should have four letters. That makes sense. I mean, you're in good hands when you're all state. <laughs> I couldn't do my Dennis A's birth, though. Yeah, anyway, so... this is a movie podcast, so let's move on. Whoop! <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's get to our geez there's so little things that we do these days. we just go None right of to those it. people were sponsors by the way <laughs> not yet still waiting all state <laughs> let's let's move on let's get to our main review for the week which is for on the rocks hi dad hey kiddo oh my gosh do you look beautiful cliff how's your mom's hip good thanks good he thinks you're my girlfriend Grace. been busy yeah Dean's traveling with clients all the time, and I'm just the buzzkill waiting to schedule things. Just, I'm so stuck. So Dean's going away a lot, huh? On business trips? Dad. Raise your hand if that sounds fishy. He's not like you. He's a good guy, a great dad. Sure, it's nature. Males are forced to fight, to dominate, and to impregnate all females. not interested in me anymore impossible a woman is at her most beautiful between the ages of 35 and 39 great so i have many months left that should have been some of the trailer for on the rocks guess what in 2018 apple announced a multi-year agreement with a24 to produce original films the first film under that partnership is Sofia Coppola's On the Rocks, a comedy drama that reunites Coppola with Lost in Translation star Bill Murray, not counting their Netflix variety special, A Very Murray Christmas. In On the Rocks, the film follows Rashida Jones as Laura, a writer and mother who begins suspecting her husband Dean, played by Marlon Wayans, of possibly carrying on a work affair. She asks the advice of her father Felix, played by Murray, a playboy art dealer, who quickly decides they should follow Dean around and spy on him, giving the father and daughter a chance to reconnect. John, how did this reteaming of Coppola and Murray work for you? I mean, I feel like you, you should have said in your description, hijinks ensue. <laughs> <laughs> I resist the urge every week to write hijinks ensue in most things. Mm, I throw it in there every few times. Okay. Well, like I, I was, I was writing about so many horror movies last week, and I'm like, this kid has a monster in his closet, and hijinks ensue. Like, that just made sense to me. But classic just, uh... Fred Savage. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, as for On the Rocks, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say that um, this is the kind of movie that like is kind of perfect to be like, this is the kind of thing I was excited to be like, oh, shoot, Apple Plus has got this. I can just throw this on. Um, I was a big Lost in Translation fan. I'm a big Bill Murray fan. Um, 
And honestly, I had a, quite a bit of fun watching this one. I think kind of I think it starts a little slow and I don't know if the ending is like the greatest thing in the world, but in the middle I had a lot of fun and it's been a really long time since Lost in Translation and I don't know if Bill Murray has been that good until this. Like it's I've kind of the distinguished dramedy Bill Murray hasn't been returning on investment as much as I'd like in recent years. And I just uh Aaron can tell you I literally texted him in the middle of this movie and said it's it must be nice to have like Bill Murray be able to come into your movie and, and make it instantly fun. And that's what I thought this movie really just was. It was just low stakes, tiny movie fun. And and for the Bill Murray performance and and kind of a, a little bit of a, a small scale mad cappery in the middle, I, I I'd recommend it. Hey Babo, you were you with On the Rocks? Yeah, I I think there's a lot to enjoy with with On the Rocks. I think that there's uh, some really nice um, chemistry between Bill Murray and Rashida Jones, and I think that they do come off as like a father daughter duo. Um, there's like some uh, niceness with like I, I couldn't tell is that actually her sister and her mom in the in the sequence like when they're when she goes out to go see her her uh, grandmother and her great grandmother do you know no okay it's not it's not no okay i was like oh that'd be kind of cool if they had like kadada jones in here too and like i guess maybe her mom but in any case um i think that there's uh still enjoyable things that that we're seeing when we're in the city of new york and going about their their lives and kind of just like presented with this problem that has come up within the relationship um Marlon Wayans was in his movie, and I didn't really think that, or I didn't know that he was in this movie. And then to see him, I was like, I hope that this is a, a toned down Marlon, and it is. Um, and you think Sophia Coppola would be like, let me throw in Marlon Wayans to be amping up the yeah. big comedy? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that she had Sean Wayans first, and then she's like, nah, maybe Marlon's a little bit more toned down. Um, but for the most part, I I do think that there is like this, to use your phrasing, John, Mad Capper-ish um, attitude toward it. And so. I, I I really did enjoy like the misadventures of Bill Murray to be honest like when they're just going around town and and doing all these things and he's hanging out with his daughter. But I think on the flip side, I don't think that a lot of the writing works for me. And I I think that there's just like while I do think that there is a real father daughter relationship like on the screen, I don't think that all the dialogue works between them uh, as well. Um, and then like just in general, like I don't know. Like, uh, if this is something that was uh, a giant, like, uh, a, a dealing that Sophie Kipple wanted to to deal with, like, within her own family, like, was her own father, like, a philanderer, or is this just something that she wanted to continue on because she liked the concept of having Bill Murray be, like, this um, this interesting enigma-type person um, who loves art? Um, but beyond that, like, I actually, by the end of it, I just thought to myself, like, it's fine. Like it, it's not that it's like it didn't blow me away, but it also wasn't like it's definitely not a, a bomb at all. Like it's not bad, um, but I, I enjoyed some parts more than others for sure. I will, I'll say right as far from 
from everything I know about Francis Ford Coppola and and his his very devoted wife, there's never been much of a strife between them in that regard. But I will say that the film has a I I feel like it's it's very it's it's more personal than I think people might realize as far as going into this like watching the the idea of seeing uh, Rashida Jones playing a character who has this kind of larger than life father like regardless of the little details that separate you know fact from fiction the idea of having someone that's just so big um and thinking about that in terms of Sofia Coppola being you know an artist in her own right and having a father who's made you know four masterpieces um among you know a very storied career like seeing that kind of try to gel together and her contend with whatever issues she might have had over her lifetime i i found that to be quite fascinating um as far as this kind of character journey goes in the midst of this fairly light comedy drama um and with that in mind i i really i actually did appreciate the the writing quite a bit i think there's a lot of good nuance uh that goes between jones and murray's character where i agree with you john that murray i think is fantastic here and i do th- like there's a couple performances here and there since lost translation i think of broken flowers or life aquatic those are movies that i really like as well but as far as murray the kind of actor that's balancing being typical murray or being dramatic murray yeah i mean to lost translation is 2003 there's not a ton of those performances that have really registered in that same way when he did that in a way that really got him attention back then so seeing him be back in what seems like prime form doing that now and what could almost be like a spiritual sequel to that same character just like toned down a bit because he's more resigned after 17 years i think that works really well you get a really loose murray who's a lot of fun but you can kind of see the sadness in his eyes at a lot of times as well and that does a lot for me as far as watching this movie and watching these performances in addition to having rashida jones as Laura playing this character that has a lot of reservations about her father, who's done some things that she's not happy with and while still trying to maintain a certain relationship. And then on the other side of that, you have Marlon Wayans who enters this film with her. And I mean, when he entered the frame, I'm thinking, Oh, for one thing, I agree. Abe, yeah. I didn't know he was in this either. But when I look at that, I'm thinking, Oh, well, he's in, he's in some other work. That's not part of his own productions, which means mm-hmm. he's going to be very good as he usually is because he typically he's a, he's a good actor. Like he knows. Yeah, I know. To... I think we mentioned on the show that's like we kind of wish that he would do more of these. Yeah, like, I, I I don't know. You know if he has, you're like, a good actor, man. Like I don't I don't know if he has like a Sandler in him as far as like really going all out there with these performances. But every time I see him pop up in these supporting character roles, when it's like this or Requiem for a Dream or even The Heat, a movie I'm not a big fan of, but he's just like he tends he tends to work well within the rumble of all the other characters. So like what I'm saying is I like I just like the kind of the world that this film builds around these people. And as much as it is a kind of, you know, we're in a certain class and the problems we're going through are purely a relationship drama. It doesn't really address anything else happening in New York and how could it um, based off the story it's trying to tell. It still works for me on a like, yes, it's light, but I feel I still feel like it, it it's really well done as far as fitting a certain kind of tone. So I, no, I just I had a lot of fun with this movie, but I also recognized the kind of little pieces of inner turmoil that seemed to be going on within the actors' minds throughout this thing. Mm-hmm. What does it need? I guess what does it need to be is a big question too, because because I, I do think you you can't help but if you're aware of of the director, technically the writer as well. Um, you know, Sophia's back back catalog if you will then you you can't help but like mirror this with lost in translation i do think that work 
had the fun light moments of this one and was able to land um, the emotional stakes and the gravity, emotional gravity of the situation surrounding it. And I don't know if this one's necessarily trying to do it. I think if she is trying to land it emotionally to that level, I don't think she gets there for me. Right. Um, Cause I just kind of came away with this being like, Oh, that was like kind of perfect. Like, this movie, I don't know if I became aware of this movie before, like a month or two before it came out. And it was just kind of like, it's kind of perfect. It was like, oh, it's a small, nice little movie that's like on my Apple Plus. Like, and this is a nice little way to spend an evening. But like, I, I mean, I don't... other than being like having fun hanging out with my homie, like Bill Murray, <laughs> I don't know if there was anything for me to like hold on to post movie. I don't think yes. it's asking too much from you as far as how much resonance you're supposed to get from it compared to one of her more one something like Marie Antoinette that's very much commenting on certain things or or lost in translation for that matter. I think it's more like by comparison something like Logan Lucky with Steven Soderbergh. That movie I I would say is kind of perfect in what it's accomplishing. It doesn't necessarily add up to a whole lot more than this is a really fun time and there's a bit of like emotional messaging in it, but it doesn't mean it doesn't feel like it represents something with a greater purpose than to just give you something that's very well made, very well handled. And I think this kind of fits in that sort of slot. Well, I'd say that Logan Lucky has like something to say about American society at large, writ large as well. Um, I I think, I guess if I, to, to like blow it out a bit, like if I'm looking at all of Steven Soderbergh's work over his career, I wouldn't put that in like there in the same league as some of the other films, but I still think he puts exactly what he wants into it for you to get. Okay. And I think I'm more receptive in this era of our lives <laughs> in this in this time. Like I think these kind of movies maybe would have bounced off, or I could have been a little more dismissive of. And instead, like I almost like their resonance afterwards is me just being like, you know, that was like a nice, it was it was nice to just like have a little fun for an hour and a half. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like I I think. That, like, in the past, maybe I'd be a little bit more resistant to just, like, giving something a pat on the back for existing and being enjoyable for an hour and a half and, like, wanting to have something, like, a little bit more deep or hit a little harder. And instead, like, I was just, uh, I mean, this this has probably one of the lower budget, like, car caper chases <laughs> And it's like so much fun, and you're just like, oh, I mean, like I, would, it's... <laughs> I would say it's the year's best car chase. <laughs> yeah, probably. I, I'm thinking about it right now. Like, oh, mm-hmm. there's there's a couple car chases this year. We have what extraction, kind <laughs> of big car chase. Yeah, but you've seen that before. I mean, it's handled pretty well. I mean, but I'm yeah, talking yeah, <laughs> yeah. cameras move. Regardless, I mean, I was yeah, just, I, I agree with Michael Bay movie, right? I agree. Well, that was last. Oh, year. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Was it yeah. last year? Yes, it was December. Was that last, last year? It was December last year. Yes. Wow. Uh, Netflix always has their big splashy big thing on, in December like that. Okay, little, so it's like, like a Christmas like, present. Like yeah, bright <laughs> or Michael Bay's thing, or they they always that's they have a they have a pattern. They know what they're doing. And bright. There you go. But um, yeah, John, I, I do want to touch upon that too, which is I don't necessarily, I'm not, I wasn't looking for anything super deep or, or like a, a larger message. Um, I was kind of just seeing what the director had put out there, and she wrote it as well. So it is nice to see again the the adventures of Bill Murray or misadventures of Bill Murray and have Rashida Jones tag along. And um, I always love it's almost like a um, a Royal Tenenbaum situation 
where you know royal always has to say like this is my adopted daughter margot tannenbaum and in this movie it's just like this is my daughter laura um which i i found charming and he's a charming guy um well that comes from his lothario ways where he has to say that to not be confused with another young woman that he's with as he's (laughs) as it's probably been the case most of the time almost all the time yeah exactly it seems like it's all the time because he and i think this is just a really good pairing for rashida jones like i'm kind of up and down on her and i think putting her opposite uh, a bill murray really kind of takes advantage of what she's good at in these kind of situations and comedy comedic elements well i mean what i'm what i'm also driving toward is that when you do get into some of the more the emotional beats and they're not really heavy emotional beats it's just more of like when there's there's more meat in the script between the two relationship or between the two characters um i found it good but i didn't find it like super effective because there is like a nice uh acting portrayal that bill murray is doing when he's confronted with a question um, and the camera, com- the camera kind of stays on him for like um, a bit longer, like two beats. Um, that is like a nice thing to have in there. But I just thought like the like, almost like in the judge, like there's like this metaphorical, but also like very on the nose disruption in her life, um, you know, as seen by uh, as evidenced by like a storm and then like it clears up and then she there's a large difference though between how the judge i'm not i'm not saying that they're the same (laughs) i'm saying that there's just it was a little bit on the nose for me for it like i I would never compare the judge to uh, the judge is not a good movie at all whereas like i found this one to be uh good in a lot of elements but kind of just like lacking in some which ultimately makes it a little bit less of a of like a rewatchable thing for me. What I like about this with, when you talk about the Murray thing is that it, it's not coming out of nowhere. Like it, even from the very intro, when you first meet him in this movie, when he just says, hi kiddo, you can see in his eyes, there is a distance there. And I, I do think that holds throughout as much as he wants to kind of play it down and have just the hijinks have the caper aspect going on here. There is a sadness to him. And I, I Bill Murray's very good at that. And when he really wants to turn that on, he can. And so when it gets to, uh, yes, when it gets to a, a more conflicted scene between the two of them, I can appreciate that he has to kind of strip himself bare for a bit and have certain responses that I do think play well to what this movie's ultimately getting at as far as how, as far as how personal Coppola wants to make this again, regardless of how true to life these aspects may be. She's certainly trying to, you know, write some stuff in, work some stuff out that, you know, using her art, which is not unfamiliar to any director that writes their own work and reflects on their own life. I mean, it's, so it's, for for me, like, yes, I I appreciate that it is just kind of this lighthearted affair, but I do like that it has this emotional backing to it, however strong it needs to be, just because I think the performances are just so so strong and earned in, in this instance. And I think there is kind of a, unfortunately, I just don't, I didn't take the requisite notes or I, I didn't like look at it in the right way to describe what I want to beyond what I'm going to say. But I think you have to give Coppola major kudos and credit for kind of the style of direction that she does in something this small and between these people in close quarters and kind of mm-hmm. these, these, these one-on-one scenes and stuff. I think, yes, she kind of has, you know, the most bomb Rolodex around <laughs> uh, and, and she takes advantage of that, but I don't think it's as simple as just calling, you know, Bill Murray and Rashida Jones and being like, all right, uh, you guys just do your thing. Like, I think, there are things that she's doing in this movie that 
help with the intimacy and and fun of it as well and kind of whether that's i don't know like you said maybe camera linger or just her ability to kind of pull out nonverbal things with her actors i think we have enough evidence from her past movies and this movie that like it's it's she's doing things here even if it seems like it's not really a director's showcase yeah i hear what you're saying there because I, I think the term that i would use when i'm describing these actors is effortless um and the, the example that i would give is like when when they're being stopped by some cops like a gentle wave that rashida gives to like the cop to say like hey i'm laura and then she gives a wave back to the cop behind her as well i mean like these things are simple but you know it's, it's the way that that uh Sophia Coppola has like written some of these things out or she's given some background or just the way that she's probably discussed these characters with like, these actors. Um, so I, I do give her a lot of credit there. Cause like there's, it, it does feel again, like I think the relationships in this movie feel very real. Um, this goes beyond just like the three main people like within this, uh, within that we're following. I mean, this extends into like her kids, which I was like, Oh wow, these, these kids are really good. It's like, are they really her kids? Um, and then into like what we described or earlier, I described like with her mother, her grandmother, her sister, um, and even like a really small side character played by Jenny Slate, who's just like this it's parent fun, at this school. That's a fun running joke that goes through. Yeah, it's just like this long story that she has that has a conclusion, but also it's like, you know, like this is like to your point, John. I don't think that this is accidental. Um, you know, it's very, it's very uh, prescribed or prescri- prescribed oh, yeah. prescription. That- that it, that comes from being a good director. I mean, this is her eighth movie at this point, and I'd argue that she hasn't made a bad movie. Like, I mean, there's the, she's she's very good at doing this thing, and she's very good at working with actors specifically. I do think that's a major part of what helps out her films. It's that she gets very performances that feel naturalistic. And saying it feels effortless, like that's 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 a compliment on the movie's part as far as how willing you're able to get your actors to just kind of perform, um, regardless of how much they're performing that's like baked into like the research they did for their character or just like what feels natural to them. It all, it, it sticks out in a way where it just makes sense. It feels lived in. You're not, question, yeah. you're not questioning how Bill Murray could be a playboy art dealer. You're just like, no, that's just who he is. Like you get it. Like you don't, you don't need to go too many steps to right. understand who these people are. And I think that's, that's held throughout the film. That cop scene, by the way, it that's good that's a good piece of filmmaking if you can kind of make me forget about everything happening this year and just be like oh yeah bill murray's just gonna get get himself out of a ticket with a cop in new york like that's easy for him and that and not care about that not care about the what's going on around that scene <laughs> that makes that different than how else things could be treated it's just right. fun yeah, it's just and fun they to watch the that but i like sell it in a way of which you probably would be pretty you feel like uh <laughs> yeah, there, there's like there, there's a there's like different actors you can put in there you'd be like well yeah of course the you know rich white guy is able to get away with it where bill murray's like yes this is a, this is just fun this is just a fun thing to watch right now mm-hmm. but that, i think that's where my dichotomy comes in which is like yeah i really like the naturalistic tendencies of these actors and how it feels and how they're playing on the screen i just think that some of the writing was just not as um as as like it wasn't that it was sharp it was just that it felt kind of like I'm not really learning anything about any anybody per se. Like there are some moments that I do appreciate a lot. Um, I think one example is like when they're at a, a they're at like a cocktail party. Bill Murray takes his daughter to a cocktail party and they have to like walk backwards to go view something. And I was like, that scene was like, oh, this is it's really give me a lot here. Um, 
And I, and I would say there's a lot of things throughout it where I know I know everything I need to know about these people. I don't think there's anything more to them. That's that true. I'm, yeah, I'm which missing is, out on. Yeah, which is why I think that like, I think you and Jonathan are right in that, like you know, for what it is, like it's a small movie set in like three locations, ninety uh, minutes. Yeah, ninety minutes, super quick. Like for what it is, it's actually really well done. It is. I, I I'm freely admitting that. But I think like again, some of the 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 deep emotional beat. There's like two scenes of it, and I was like, I don't know if I, if I, I don't know if this is like something that, it's not that it wasn't earned. It's just more of like when I'm when I'm watching this and I'm listening to it, I'm just thinking to myself, I wonder why is this happening now. So, um, but in any case, uh, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. Saying that if there's the three components to this, to a movie, <clears throat> the acting and the directing are like one and one a or you know one and two and 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 kind of the writing and the words or or the structure or the beats is a third is like like i don't know if it's just the thirds right but like it's definitely the first two are what's like the guiding principle yeah making this the movie it it can be as far as enjoyableness yeah and that brings me back to the rewatch right it's like one a yeah what you described there jonathan like one a one a one b it's like the rewatch ability is like based off of like yeah let me segment out the part where he picks up rashida jones and they just keep going on these adventures um that that's what i would probably rewatch to speak i mean we're 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 mostly agreeing on this i think i mean the things you're speaking to are reasons why i'm like yeah this is just a really strong b plus to me as opposed to a whole a like i i think that i i can understand that there's a kind of there's nothing as heavy heavier than needs to be because the movie's just not really requiring that and it's right i mean it's a movie only so many movies are quote-unquote perfect so i mean it's doing a very good job of being the thing it wants to be Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, as far as like rewatchability and just or just like enjoyment level, this movie's very funny. I don't think we're emphasizing that enough. I think there's a lot of fun in this movie. Like in addition to like hijinks, I think the movie it makes it made me laugh a number of times watching this movie. And I think that that goes a long way for someone like Coppola who can you know go with the dryness or go with you know sort sort of subdued moments. There's a lot of fun in this movie. There's a lot of like bits to make you laugh. I think it works to win you over. Like. Like I said, I think I was like a little sarcastically being like, it must be nice to have Bill Murray in your movie. <laughs> cause I was kind of like, cause I do think whether it's a sign of the times or just my own personality, but I think the world that we're living in here is a little, you know, there's the Bernie Sanders sticker on the door and, you know, I, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and just kind of uh, here is my, pretty nice new york apartment and i you know i live in this manner or like when i I go out to the countryside to like me to see my grandma and 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 mother and sister like there is that world where kind of like oh you know but it's it's that there's a me there really is a meaty middle here where like it kind of it starts like the propulsion starts moving you forward like the dominoes start following or falling and kind of like you start moving through the movie. Like I don't know exactly when it happens, but like it definitely like I think it could have been kind of a distasteful like kind of bougie New York rumination thing. And instead yeah. it really leans into more of a, a pop, you know, a pop aspect of movie making, a more fun kind of breezy movement yeah. by the by the by the 
end of the beginning of the movie. I mean, again, like start... that, that again comes down to direction. I mean, there is a way to make this snobby. There's a way to make this feeling less less appealing or whatnot. I, there's, well, there's lesser filmmakers that cannot tap into that kind of energy, and then you're just like thinking about the you know rich people problems type aspect of what's going on here. But I didn't go. There's a success there in like what you're saying as far as it's guiding you towards making you more focused on the the plot at hand and just enjoying being around these characters. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, yeah, John, everything you're describing about like, you know, this this bourgeoisie New York upper middle or upper class um, society. Yeah, I could see an Anne Hathaway movie doing that with like an artsy Anne Hathaway movie trying to be like that, too. Um, but this is not it. And this is like where, Aaron, I think that you brought up. Um, Coming down on Anna Hathaway here. <laughs> I mean, not, not that she's a bad actress. It's more like I just – this she's the person that I thought of like when I was like, what's a New York socialite type movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with all that being said, though, I think that's like where the Sophie Coppola, uh, Francis Ford Coppola thing comes in, which is what Aaron brought up earlier. It's like I, I definitely see her as that element in this movie, which is like – when they go to this fancy steakhouse and her dad and she says, "Am I? I feel like I'm underdressed for this." It's like I feel like that's Sophia Coppola saying, "Like I, I never wanted to be with like my dad's like bougie director friends. Um, I always wanted to go do my own thing." Like with <laughs> bougie it, Spielberg and George yeah, Lucas, exactly. <laughs> Brian yeah, De Palma, like, freaking yeah, and like Stanley John Trump, Milius, <laughs> yeah. And, and who directed the first Mission Impossible? Brian De Palma. Oh, that was De Palma. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, stuff like that where I just thought to myself, I think this is where I'm seeing Sophie Coppola come through the character and believe through the character, especially like the the what she does for a living as well. Um, so I thought that, that was that was that was I definitely agree with you uh, that it's handled in a way that is we are a part of this. Like you guys both mentioned that we are a part of this society, but it's not as though it's hitting me over the head saying, like, you're never going to be a part of this. Like they have their own problems. They have it's a slice of it's a slice of life time in a bottle type situation to to jump back to the plot a little bit here like there's a to jump a back to jump a back yeah <laughs> the um, you know much of the movie revolves around the kind of whether or not something's happening with with dean with marlon wayne's character sure. were, were you fine with like how without getting into things were you fine with how that kind of resolved itself did you find it was too easy or too what <sighs> i was fine with it like, yeah i was fine with it honestly i mean it just it's a, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, but I, I think that's to... the point. Is that like the point is kind of that if you, if you had Bill Murray as your dad and like and and the history of what happened to your own family, then I mean, it's far. Right? I'm willing I mean, to go it, along it, with it, but yeah, it's a, it's a little. We, we don't have a ton, you know. It's, yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's not a ton of history with like, oh, well, we definitely know Dean's side of the story. It's like the thing is like this is ultimately a Rashida Jones story. Movie, oh, yeah. Right? And so like because of that, like you get the juxtaposition of her dad there, too. And what I liked about it at the end there, there's like a line where she's just like, if you just want to hang out with me, you should have just you should have just told me and we could have just hung out <laughs> instead of like going on like, this crazy caper thing, which is is fun. But as far as like the Dean thing goes, it's like, you know, it's fine. Like, however it is resolved, is it's resolved, right? And actually resolves in a very simplistic way, which is why I was like, I'm fine with this. Because it wasn't as though it was something that was – it's not that kind of movie where you're deep into the details of, like, 
is it or isn't you know what I mean? right i can't have a problem with it because it's like we said at the beginning it it just doesn't appear that this movie is trying to like make that matter mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like to me the movie's just fine with you have a tidy ending and just kind of like it was about the fun we had along the way right <laughs> That's the tagline. I would say in telling that story, I agree with you guys. I, I would say though, in, t- in telling that story, I do. There is a lot of, I don't know, visual filmmaking or even like use of location that I thought was pretty effective as far as what it means for her and her father to be in certain places and her and Dean to be in certain places or items that are exchanged between one another. I think there's there's some good play there that doesn't require dialogue to explain it, which I, I found to be, again, just a good sign of a, of a well made movie. Yeah, and you know, as the details emerge and as you see them in the movie, um, like John said, this best like it's not as though they stay on them. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's a part where she goes to talk to her dad about like something, and then he talks, he tells her about like a gift, and it's like it's not as though like we're lingering on this thing. Like, it, it, does it appear later? Maybe, but at the same time, it's more of those things where it's just like it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily like drag me down and make me think about like, um. Uh, about the details of like Dean's life, um, so like it's not a uh, it's not a, a love actress situation where uh, I I got a Joni Mitchell CD. <laughs> right. You're yeah. not yeah you're not getting Emma Thompson in this one. Yeah, I mean she's beautiful. Whoever breaks her heart is a loser. <laughs> I mean Alan Rickman in that scenario would be answered that question. And yeah, now he's be. gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like great. Now I sound like the asshole. <laughs> Well, I mean, you already got the Fan Hathaways coming for you on social media, so... <laughs> Is that what they're called, the Fan Hathaways? No, probably not, but it's the joke I came up with, but That's then you guys kept good. talking. It's, and pretty, I it's pretty funny. Like, I didn't think I was going to have a chance to like bring it up again, and then I just did. No. This is probably the best part of the podcast, where you explain your process of coming up with this joke. <laughs> <laughs> I had it, but that fan kept club pushing on, the conversation yeah. forward, and there was never any time to talk about Anne Hathaway again. <laughs> you know why? It's because it's because Abe knows they're coming for him. <laughs> They're coming for me. All the fan yeah. out It's got it. All the fan out I'll be like, hey, did you guys watch uh, <laughs> Rachel Getting Married? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were really just going to go off the reservation with the callback there. I'm not, I don't know what callback you have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm avoiding it. Um, yeah, no, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't do that to the listeners. I like, the call, I, like when, I like when he pulled up in the car. That made me laugh. Because uh, it's cherry red Alfa Romeo. <laughs> it's like, of course. Well, I like the way that she's just like, how is this supposed? How is this supposed to be inconspicuous? And he has like a little, he has a little hat on. Like he's so dressed for it. Like there's a lot of like little neat production design moments that it. Yeah, he brought them a snack. <laughs> and um, there's a point where they need to travel somewhere, and the explanation Murray has, where he's just like, yeah, I have a friend that does. Like it's just so. It's like a mix of. Yes, that's convenient, but it's also hilarious at the same time. So I like I can't like I can't chide the movie for this. It's just it's good stuff. No, yeah. he he yeah. convinces. I think he convinces the audience as much as her. Like yeah, you as don't want to go on that journey. Is, you're like, oh, I'm definitely in on. <laughs> it's farce. It's real farce at that yeah. point. I mean, like the the Murray because again, when you when you view it in the element or with the aspect of like he just he loves his daughter and he wants to spend time with her. Um, that's. It, all of those scenes are great. Like I even love the, the scene where they're just grabbing a drink, like at this uh, at this restaurant, and you know some woman shows up, and, and <laughs> it's clear that they've had a relationship in the past. But it's always about art. He's always like, no, I'm trying to really buy her 
a piece of art from her. It's like her Rashida Jones is always just like, sure, whatever you say, Dad. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's always fun to to see that uh, play out. Anything else on the rocks? I mean, uh, I can't yeah. stress enough how light it is. Like, it it just how welcome that is. But I will right. say that are you talking about like kind, light and kind of like, like easy? Yeah, yeah, it's just I mean, it's just not a very heavy movie. You can pick oh, it yeah. up, take it around, and put just, it in your pocket. I, you know? I just can't help but think about Lost in Translation and like the most farcical, goofy moments of that still are tinged. And this one, there really aren't. Like you're just kind of allowed to enjoy them. Like the fun mm-hmm. moments are fun without any extra weight or baggage to them. I will say that there is a moment at the end of the movie, and it's kind of interesting. Because we've we've bagged on the emotional you know the emotional weight of this movie a little I think bit, but I, I you you, guys. You, have bagged, right. you guys have bagged yeah. on the emotional weight. But Aaron, I will say Aaron there is, is a moment a... at the end where somebody like there's like literally like two or three lines of dialogue that are just like are kind of exclamation sledgehammers, and I I think in their very them being acted out in that moment it 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 does hit, but it's just that it's swept away so quickly, and there is kind of a little of a groaner eye roll to the end like machinations if you will that probably takes away but that's not to say that there isn't like at least one little to me there is like a a, there is one emotional kind of two or three minute payoff on this movie that i do think i do think works but like i said when i'm recommending the movie i i really am just recommending it as like there's just not a lot of Ex- movie experiences where you can you know walk off your couch <laughs> i hear can't you walk, can't walk out the theater but walk off the couch and be like you know it was just that was nice and you're not yeah. saying it in a condescending dick way <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just want to uh as the final things about anything else good score um, oh yeah phoenix it's like jazzy music. and bluesy yeah. um, but then they also like throw in a few songs so a good soundtrack as well i i agree i uh so Coppola's films generally have great soundtracks so I'm never really too surprised but I'm not you know unwelcoming of having good soundtracks going on with the, with the films that she's making um I will for final thoughts I will say I, I saw this movie originally as part of the virtual New York Film Festival um and I watched it with my dad and he enjoyed it quite a bit he was like that was just like go. good fun he was that was good fun that was a farce that's that was those were his words so, is there anything well, else in dad's movies corner that we have a, that we have to catch up on uh, recently, um, he enjoyed the Mandalorian season two premiere quite a bit. Okay, that's that's what I got right he now. He stayed up till midnight to to check it out. Uh, yeah, he waited in line outside of a theater. I'm like, they're not playing it there, and he's like, all right, and he came home. He and was in it. his Boba <laughs> Jango Fett costume. Yeah, exactly. No, that's not true. No, we watched we watched it uh, this morning actually. Uh-huh. I, I watched it with my lovely girlfriend uh, the other day, and then we watched it again with him this morning. So. There you go. Um, so yeah, that's that's movie. That's yeah, dad's movie. Before. Dad's movie minute. Um. <laughs> But no, on the I, yeah, I, I enjoy On the Rocks, and I, I think it's uh, worthwhile viewing. As far as when people should go and see this movie, I would say, you know, it's on Apple TV. If you have Apple TV, watch it. It's a good burst of fun that, I mean, a lot of things going on right now, and uh, fun things are always welcome, so I would say go watch it. Go check it out. So I mean, it's definitely, you? yeah, it's, 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 I think Apple TV is now finally kind of quietly finding its footing, and I would say this is... For me, one of the the flagship things it kind of has to offer right now. And I, I mean, I, on that on that front, I mean, I would agree with you. I, I feel like I, did, I wasn't big on some of the launch titles they've had, but the stuff since I've been big on. Uh, for Philip Rudd won a won an Emmy for the newsroom. 
or the, mor- morning the morning show. show. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the morning show. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> but he, he's, but he's very good on it. He, okay. he's the one that deserved an Emmy, let alone a mm-hmm. nomination. Okay. I, I wouldn't say some of the others, specifically Steve Carell, even needed a nomination. If anything, they should burn that performance in the ground. I don't know why either. <laughs> Can I? No, watch I, I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say that this is a movie where, to be honest, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying in terms of, like the, the level of movie making that this is. Uh-huh. So if you miss movies that feel like this or that look like this, um, yeah, you can get check it out right away. I mean, but it, it's available for you for five ninety nine on on Apple TV Plus. I I personally don't think that you should like you need to necessarily run out and see it, but like on an old theater rating or on our old scale, it's it's kind of like an HBO. Um, and then uh, on our new scale, it's kind of just like yeah, you can see it when you have some time. All right. Well, we've talked about on the rocks. Um, and again, that's available on Apple TV Plus right now. And now we can move on to some feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Oh, okay. Feedback. Got the bass in there too. That was a good oh. me impression. Um, <laughs> this is where we go over the various questions that our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash/l podcast, where we asked we asked you guys a number of questions. They you gave us answers. Then we got, I think we got one, we got one question in here that know. I didn't add it to the thing, but I know what it is. Yeah, okay, so you can I'll read, read it. it yeah, or, or you, you know what it is. Yeah, I'll get to it. So let's We're so like T.I., you know what it is. It, exactly like <laughs> T.I. Man, I, I, hope he's, I hope he's an Ant-Man 3 so bad. For for 20 seconds again? Like in part two? He's in a, he's a part two quite a bit. He he, he helps stop exactly. Walton Goggin and his guys. Walton Goggin. Him and, him and David Dasmastian, they're all hanging out. And Michael Pena, they're all doing their thing. Um, all right. What's your favorite comedic Bill Murray role? Irene writes Peter Vankman from Ghostbusters. Todd Lieben, friend of the show, also writes Vankman in Ghostbusters. And Chris writes love him in Wes Anderson roles and have a massive soft spot for Life Aquatic. That makes Chris a, a pro listener in my book because I'm a huge Life Aquatic fan. Otherwise, stripes, he adds. <laughs> favorite comedic Bill Murray roles? Vankman is up there. It's Groundhog Day, right? If that's your answer. Do we call that a comedy, though? Could you even know. say that's dramatic? Yeah, no, that's I would say it's a comedy. <laughs> I think it's a comedy, though. I think that one is, yeah. I mean, I think it's way less a drama. There's moments of enlightenment. Then modern, I, yeah. I think that's still yeah. old. Yeah, I would say I, that's my favorite, Bill Murray. There's actually, like, uh, you know, there was a mention of, like, the West Anderson rules. And there's, like, a part in, in um this movie that we just reviewed, which I just forgot the name of. Um, on the rocks the, on the rocks thank you which is uh, <laughs> but there's a part where he's like oh i know the bell hop over at something and i was like this is exactly like the grand budapest where he there's just like a chain of all these like uh, hotel concierge people that know each other on a secret line on a secret phone line so i'm, uh, gonna, I'm gonna throw out a, oh, i'm sorry did were you uh, <laughs> no no yeah going. I was, I was just going to say, I'm going to throw out a What About Bob, because that movie's hilarious. Oh, that's an excellent Man, what a, whatever I actually kind of just want to go watch that now. Bob? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> baby Steps. I mean. Oh, baby, that's right. Baby um, I think What About Bob is hilarious. Um, it's That's one where Steven Spielberg, of all people, was like, I want you to make, I want to get him an Oscar nomination. Like, he, he tried to campaign for Bill Murray because of how hilarious he thought he was in that role. Um but yeah, what about Bob? I'll shout out Quick Change, the bank robbery movie with him, Gina Davis, good. and Randy Quaid. Uh, and that he, that, Randy Quaid. That he directed. <laughs> yeah, back when Randy Quaid was like not crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like right. it's like it's eighty nine. Yeah. I mean, like, like ninety. Is is he okay now, or is he still in in like the weirdo train? He's worse. 
Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, we don't need to talk about it anyway. We can talk about Quick Change though, because that movie is really good. It's a really good movie, mm. and I like shouting out because it doesn't get nearly enough uh, shoutouts. And also, he's in a smaller role, but Kingpin I think is. Oh, hysterical. I think you're gonna say Garfield. Oh, that's yeah. what I actually wanted to. I Kingpin knew I was missing. So one. good. Kingpin. Yeah. Him and Kingpin is actually my favorite Bill Murray. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's so it's, good. <laughs> it's a gravy train on biscuit wheels. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is it does he have like the weird like comb over in that movie yeah because he oh, yeah. he says a line early in the movie like in the early part with woody harrelson when he first meets him and he's like you know if i'm once he says something like when this happens then my hair will start falling out then the next time you see him yeah his hair is like gone and by the end of the movie when he's all hyped up on bowling he's, he's like his hair is like way sticking up in the air it's yeah, ridiculous it's so, it's so funny it's uh, it's the lost gem of that era i feel like we kind of for I feel like the Family Brothers have been well because it bombed. It, it came. It came after Dumb and Dumber and flopped, and then they made There's Something in My Mary, which is also huge. And it's like we, in the in the middle, you had this amazing Kingpin. I love There's Something in My Mary it's too. So I think that movie's also hilarious, but still, Kingpin's wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a really good sports movie. That's what helps. Yep. and it has emotional <laughs> <Yeah>. stakes. <laughs> very high emotional stakes, and also a very terrible way for you to pay your rent. So, uh, <laughs> so what's the next question, Abe? <laughs> the next question is. Uh, what is your favorite dramatic Bill Murray role? Chris writes, Lost in Translation. And that was the only answer that we got from uh, the listeners. So, John, Aaron? I mean, I'll throw Broken Flowers in there. Broken I just Flowers think is my, Lost yeah. in Translation and Broken Flowers, like, back-to-back. It was like, boom. And then, I, like I kind of said, like, I, I lose track of, like, a lot of what came after, like, outside of Wes Anderson movies. But I feel like those are the two good examples of, like, dramatic film writing. I do like him quite a bit in Moonrise Kingdom. Like, he is doing drama there. Like, it's not... His part in that movie is more on the sad side. Uh, most of the characters in that movie are pretty sad anyway, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, and obviously there's nothing more dramatic than him trying to, like, go out of his way to be terrible in the Ghostbusters remake. So, I mean, that was pretty sad. <laughs> I, I, I we talked about it in the previous answer but um like when you get down to like why he is doing what he's doing in this left quad with Steve Zizou, it's a dramatic role it is i i i put it more on the comedic side i mean i that's yeah, one of my I, I know you in general yeah. but i mean I, I hear you like there are parts of that movie that make me get legit sad <laughs> i mean what happens to his son come on but uh, hey steve z um okay what's next uh, the next question is, what are some great films featuring New York at night? Chris has Cloverfield, you know, being all destroyed and stuff. Um, and also The Warriors, you know, they both came out to play. Both of those are great answers. I'm yeah. so happy with both of those answers. <laughs> uh, Todd Liebenau has After Hours, which I don't know if that's, I'm familiar with. That's Martin Scorsese's, another wonderful film that he made. <laughs> there you go. Um, anything from you guys, John, Aaron? I mean, they knocked out some three great answers in my book. I'm trying to think of other nighttime New York movies. Now, are we talking about like set in New York or actual New York? I mean, actual New York would be preferred in this instance. There you go. Okay, got it. Because you know all the turtle stuff. Come on. I was gonna say I always like fall in love with New York and like TV shows. So like I was gonna love movies on the Fox lot. I was gonna like hilariously be like, you know, Gossip Girl makes me love New York at night. You're not wrong. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you know what? Here's here's one. Here's one. Twenty one bridges. R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. King. Um, the movie that I that I you know seemingly feel like New York is quintessential to the plotline is Francis Ha. 
Right, but it's not at night. That's why I didn't say I it. know, but it's in black and white, so does that count? Because it looks like it's at night. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> How about John Wick? All of yes, them. but also no, because it's like it's like an alternate New York. You know what still I mean? New York. They still filmed in New York. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. But, you know, there's just like, oh, there's like no traffic here. And, you know, it seems like you can get away with riding a horse through downtown Manhattan. <laughs> there's probably someone screaming at us about Taxi Driver. I mean, so that I'll say Taxi Driver. I'll throw that one out there. I mean, yeah. It's kind of goes back and forth through day and night. But there's a lot of I mean, he drives the taxi at night. So there. <laughs> yeah exactly he does the night shift that's why he's you know, that yeah, job sure like you know bringing out the dead maybe so bringing out the dead i mean you're not gonna find an argument for me there that movie's wonderful <laughs> yeah. um, all right next question we have here what do we got it is what are some great films about people with secrets Ooh. chris writes brokeback mountain and todd writes sleepaway camp Two movies well, that's, that you, yeah, <laughs> just, very opposite. The, the furthest you could get away from each other, we've arrived <laughs> at that. Thank you, Chris and Todd. <laughs> Jimmy would probably be like, "Well, wow, that's a great answer." Sleepaway Camp. It is a great answer. It's just after Brokeback Mountain. That's just very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a big secret though. <laughs> Ghostbusters at night for a lot of it. Okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> they do have like, yeah, you know, Gozer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And the Keymaster and the Gatekeeper. What are some movies about people with secrets? People with secrets. Secrets. Hmm. I don't have a funny answer offhand. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only answers we're allowing, okay? Exactly. <laughs> There's, this is like on the rocks. No drama. <laughs> okay, The Departed. A lot of secrets in that movie. A lot, a lot of secrets, okay. yeah. Like that Boston answer. at Night. What? Boston <laughs> at Night. I, okay, okay. There you go. Uh, Yeah, I mean, (laughs) great movies about people with secrets. Uh, Man, I don't know. I mean, Sixth Sense. Yeah. Was that a secret? secret? He wants to tell you. His whole line is, I want to tell you my secret now. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay, sure. Sixth Sense. There you go. Boom. Yeah. We've got the correct answer. Done. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I could just say any movie and Aaron would just, like, make it into a secret movie. He'd be yeah. like, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Super Mario Brothers. Thinking. Yeah, they got they got you're... secrets. There's, yeah, a, they got, there's, they got, there's a hidden yeah. world underneath them with dinosaurs in it. That's crazy. Incredible Hulk, Hulk, well, then you're just script? saying Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, obviously. They're, oh, they've got a secret. Yeah, they yeah. got Yeah. April O'Neil can't be just telling people about them. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the guy who dies in the omen gets beheaded. He knows about those giant dandelions. Yeah, Damien, it's all for you. Yeah, I forget what his name is, the actor's name. In, in The Omen? Yeah, the the doctor, or he's not a doctor in The Omen, is he? Well, he's like know. he's like the guy that knows what's going on. Yeah, he's the guy that knows what's going on. Great beheading scene. It's a, it's quite the beheading scene, yes. David Warner, who's David. in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Secret of the Use. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> professor. Yeah, that might be where you're getting the scientist part from, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Because he's the secret of the ooze, which obviously means. I guess he wasn't one in the Omen. <laughs> he's just a guy. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. What's the next question here? What's your favorite Sofia Coppola movie? Chris writes, "Must admit, I have not seen a lot of her films, so it's Lost in Translation." John, where's your favorite Sofia Coppola film? Lost in Translation. All right. What's your second favorite? Uh, you can't Maria, Maria Antoinette, but I'm in. Tr- I've not seen Beguiled or somewhere, so I'm not able to fully answer this question. Hey. Um, The Godfather Part 
two where she's being christened, or is that part one? Uh, I think it's part one where she's being yeah. christened. Yeah, yeah there you go. Got five part one. She's big. She's in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the Outsiders. <laughs> Wait, with Tom Cruise? Yes, that's the that's the star you name when it comes to the Outsiders. <laughs> Tom Cruise, sixteenth build. <laughs> Patrick Patrick Swayze. <laughs> 15th build, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can nail what's it. his <laughs> name? Dylan O'Brien? Not Matt Dylan. Dylan? <laughs> Matt Dylan. Yeah. Dylan O'Brien, negative four years old in that movie? <laughs> they should make a remake with Dylan O'Brien. We'll get, let's get that going. Outsiders yeah. remake with Dylan O'Brien. And who's the guy that he looks like? Uh, the guy from... Uh... Ralph Macchio? No, <laughs> Thomas Howell? <laughs> oh, Logan Lerman? Logan Lerman, yeah. Get both those guys in a movie. That's this generation's Dermot Moroni and, and Dermot I can't remember. Dermot. Yeah. You, Dermot Moroni's the easy one to remember? Yeah, why is it not easy? <laughs> it just feels like Dylan McDermott seems like an easier name to say. This is a great part of the show. Um, How about you? Uh, any, any besides I mean, a very Merry Christmas? I mean, it, it's lost in translation and then probably Mary Antoinette as well, as far as that goes. Very colorful. I mean, I think the, those two and... Virgin Suicides and Somewhere, her first four movies are her best, um, but it's pretty consistent, so not much to complain about. Um, all right, what's next? Uh, the next question is, what are some great films about spying? Chris has probably quite apt today, but the old 007 films and North by Northwest. Yeah, that's right. We uh, went over that, but just to take a not, sidebar not that we, quick, Not that we want to gloss over it. Yeah, but just to take a sidebar real quick, Sean Connery at the time of this recording did pass away yesterday, um, which, I mean, the, the man had quite the legacy. Obviously, he was James Bond and among a, many other roles and had a very storied career. Um, he had a ripe old age of 90, and uh, from, from accounts, he passed away in his sleep. So it was, yeah, I mean, what a, what a career, what a life. True movie star, that's for sure. And seemingly all around like cool guy and great guy, you know what I mean? Feels like Sean Connor is on that level too. As far as how he interacts with a lot of uh, with you know, people in that world, yes, there's 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 some things out there. But, um, it's uh, for the most oh, part. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure that there's like some some dark alleys. But yeah, no. Rest in peace, Sean Connery. He's a tremendous actor. John, any any thoughts on Sean? God, I mean. I'll leave it at that. There you go. <laughs> I mean, uh, The Rock, boom. <laughs> yeah. He knows who kills Kennedy. Uh, I didn't. And... My mind was the map. <laughs> Where'd you guys pick this guy up? It's classified. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, obviously, obviously, the best non Pierce Bronson, James Bond. Um, oh, you. <laughs> Yeah, hold on, I'm hold not... on, Aaron. Aaron, I want to hear your breath, Sean Connery, when I when I ask you this question. Bring me back my truck. I'm not stealing your Humvee. I'm only borrowing it. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good, Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> to me, like the tribute to him is just that he was such a move. Like he was the movie star who was like like him just being a movie star was almost more important than any movies he was in. <laughs> In the late in the that later part of his no in the later part of his career I would agree I mean when you get Hunt for Red October where he plays a Russian sub commander you don't hire Sean Connery so he can play Russian you play him so you can play Sean Connery and he does that and it's great and he's awesome and the and the movie's like you know what let's just zoom in on his face get rid of the Russian and just let him be Sean Connery for the rest of the movie and that's why that movie's great is that what, is that what they did 
that's what they do in those time they do the same thing in clear and present danger where they're like they're speaking in russian or speaking in spanish and then they zoom in on their face and then zoom back out and tell they're speaking english so you as the audience member know that they're still speaking their language but you're just in tune with what they're doing so the actors can do what they're doing and it's like they did that in valkyrie too and they did it in valkyrie like more movies should do this because i always complain about this like why would they have accents why would they just not speak in their language it doesn't that would probably help with like the caliber of actor that you can cast you can, for, like, you can, because you get more improvisational work from them too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless they're just the best actor, where they can improvise in another language. Or Daniel Day Lewis, probably. I mean, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> and and probably Meryl Streep too, probably. Yeah. So. Her, her accents. <laughs> what? All right, we'll leave it at that. Um, the last thing is uh, before the question is Happy Halloween. Uh, what do you wait, wait, watch- we didn't talk about films about spying. What are oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, we just did. You did. We did. Well, we we also talked about Sean Connery. About Sean Connery, yeah. Uh, do you guys have any great films about spying aside from Spy Kids, uh, the entire series? I mean, specifically, too, The Island of Lost Dreams. That's, a, that's just the best one. Did you know that, that wait, wait, Spy Island of Lost, isn't that the one with, like, Sylvester Stallone? No, that's 3D. Spy Kids, that's what, dang the, it. Two is the one with uh, uh, Steve Buscemi. Oh, of course, yeah. You gotta, you gotta know your Spy Kids, Abe. Let me tell you. <laughs> I'm so rusty on the Spy Kids. <laughs> no, Rusty's in the National Lampoon's Vacation what? series. <laughs> I mean, obviously the best is is the Spy who shagged me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's where Austin, Austin Powers, Powers met up with um with the Spy Kids and Danny Trejo, and they're like, let's have a movie together. That's right. Danny Trejo's like, is is he? He plays Machete in uh, the Spy Kids movies. A different Ooh. Machete. But still Machete. Oh, different Machete. Okay, so he's like, he's named Machete, but it's not the same Machete. Got it. Machete, don't babysit. Mm-hmm. Sounds <laughs> right. That hard ch. <laughs> machete. You gotta do it. <laughs> Bye, movies. Uh... <laughs> Abe's lifting the podcast back onto the rails right now. No, I, just, I actually, I actually love when we go off the rails. What are you talking about? Well, it's on the rocks as it is. I don't even know the name of the movie we're talking about this week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we talked about it for forty-five minutes. That's how breezy it was. It sounds like this, a drink. <laughs> this is before I've eaten my Halloween candy. Uh. What do I call it? I mean, if we could do TV, I'd say The Americans. I, I love that show. But... Oh, yeah, The Americans Rules. It's a fantastic yeah. show. Starting with Franklin Gill, star of The Trial of the Chicago Seven. <laughs> <laughs> he was a bad judge. Yeah, remember that was a TV show, Bad Judge. Anyway, um, what's the? No, I remember the... Night Court though. That was also a show. Mm-hmm. What's the What's the next question? Uh, you guys didn't have any spy movies? Oh, okay. I just I gave it. I said Austin Powers. Austin Powers, what do you yeah. Want from but me? Aaron, did you have any spy movies? I mean, we we named the ones, but yeah, yeah you said Spy Kids. I don't understand. I got, what do you, yeah, what I do you stuck, want from us? I Jeez. got stuck on the Spy Kids train, but I had Manchurian <laughs> Candidate. How about that? Okay. Okay. There <laughs> yeah, you go. Love, Way to be classic. Uh, okay. Denzel. Yeah. Yeah. Five yeah, people are happy now. Exactly. By the way, I just read up on the Sean Connery claims about abuse, and I'll I'll take back what I said about maybe him being a great guy. He um, eventually recounted on these things, but um, yeah, yeah, it, it I, I know. But I, I also was like, I, you... I guess I wasn't aware because when you when you hesitated to join me, I was like, what? did something happen that I don't know about? <laughs> so there we is go. It, is it? Are you talking about Tuesday when you said you recounted? <laughs> oh, too with, soon. With, too with soon. Dennis Leary? 
Or is it too early? <laughs> um, I mean, too soon it, is too early. I'm so worried about that, by the way. I've had a lot okay. of anxiety. All right, all right, all right. Anyhow, uh, the last, good. The last thing uh, on this is uh, Happy Halloween. <laughs> How, what do you plan to? Uh, what do you plan watching to celebrate? Uh, Chris has Scream and The Omen, and Stephen Bright has watched on iPlayer the 2017 Ghost Stories with Martin Freeman and Paul Whitehouse. Very good, but definitely not a comedy. There's a little bit of comedy in there, but yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Ghost Stories, I like that one. Uh, the question, by the way, is Chris is throwing it right back at us, saying, "What are you guys watching?" But he also made fun of you, Abe, because you're probably not watching anything scary. I mean, you know, I, I hesitated to watch like a few scary things, and then when I did, I watched them on 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 low volume. A few scary things is one of my favorite Aaron Sorkin scripts. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It stars Martin. Freeman. I mean, speaking of Aaron Sorkin, I I spent my Halloween Saturday watching the trial of the Chicago Seven. So that's a horrific thing to watch. <laughs> I was in the mood. Uh, I, I actually, as far as like Halloween stuff, I've been uh, I'm almost finished with the Haunting of Bly Manor, oh. uh, and I cannot recommend the haunting of hill house though the first in this anthology uh is one of the best things i've like seen of anything in the last like five years so if you haven't seen that and you still need to get your scares and you're jonesing for a a tv show scares that that's where i'd send you how many ghosts have you counted just ballpark what in the current one in, in bly manor yeah uh i've i feel like i've done a worse job this okay. time around so i also, there's kind of like a dollhouse that shows you a lot of what's supposed to be there. So, like, I I think I've personally seen maybe four or five, okay. yeah, which seems I, very yeah. low. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen a ton, but uh, so far I'm only four episodes in, I think. But I like I know that I'm failing this. Like that's how yeah, I'm watching. I, <laughs> I don't know why, but I feel like in the first one I did a much better job of like seeing that like little glint in the glass or something. And this time I'm like. Well, I guess I see something about that. Uh, in, the, in, the first, in the first season, I was watching it, like, I watched the first two episodes, and then I started seeing articles online. It's like, did you see all the ghosts? And it just says that in all caps and exclamation points. And I'm like, okay, thanks, article, for getting my attention. But also, no. Well, like, nobody, no, no, I, Aaron, nobody reads Comic Book Reporter. But then... <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but then but then i i you know I, upon realizing that there are more of that i started paying more attention like oh yeah there's, there's a lot of ghosts in this, in this show so mm. like, but uh, i mean i do think it i feel like the unless i'm just way off base i feel like haunting of hill house had more ghosts than blind Manor seems to be going for right now but again i could be way off and just goes oh you know can't go two yeah. steps about seeing a ghost i mean like i'm so interested in it that i i didn't read these articles that told you about how many there were because i'm like oh this is a game to play while I'm watching this show now, but you know I'll watch the show. It is when... a fun game to play for sure. It's like how many ghosts are in this episode, but it's insane how many there are. Like there's there's a lot. <laughs> a lot, huh? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, what and are you they watching? and they they usually have the most as well. Yeah, they're the ghosts. They're the ghosts of the most. Exactly. God damn it. <laughs> it was more fun to get you I to get say Halloween it. Halloween podcast <laughs> over. Yeah, He's taking off the cans. He's leaving. <laughs> Leave your cans on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Aaron, are you watching anything? Do you watch anything on the reg uh, for Halloween? Um, on the regular, I typically watch the Evil Dead trilogy. I didn't do that this year because I watched it fairly recently outside of Halloween. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll watch. I'll, I'll, I'll take a pause on that. Uh, also, I because I have a 4K TV coming in the PlayStation 5, I'm going to watch the 4K Evil Dead very soon. Yeah, so yeah. Very happy about that. Um, so this year, though, 
uh, I always watch Halloween, and I did do that, but I, I had a whole thing yes. I did. So uh, so Anna and I, my lovely girlfriend, we watched The Creature from the Black Lagoon um, last night, which is uh, super great. I mean, the Universal Horror movies, the the old monster movies are you know all pretty terrific, but that one is so like it's so well done as far as like thinking of it's 1954 and they made this gill man suit and it's so it's so like one it's such a wonderful design where i look at the shape the shape of water which is also a wonderful design but that's you know 50 years later and this suit looked just as good then it's like it's very impressive in that means and it's also just a really fun like adventure horror movie as far as what's going on it's a lot of good it's a lot of good tension as far as people keep going into the water Anna kept saying this as well. She hadn't seen it before. She just keeps saying, like, they keep going in the water. One of them's going to die, right? Like, that's just, just no. wondering about this. No. <laughs> uh, but it, it plays it plays really well, and it's, you know, it's, it's a really easy watch, and I look yes. forward to watching uh, the others. Uh, but then, after that, I watched Halloween, and since Halloween is a a choose-your-own-adventure type series, given all the different continuities, I watched Halloween and Halloween 2018. So I watched those two back-to-back. Oh, back okay. back. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Uh, I also watch Halloween almost every Halloween. Um, back back in the day when we were kids, and it would come on, you know, like Fox on national television, like mm-hmm. in an edited version. But I always just watch Halloween every year. Um, and this year also there was like a Halloween marathon on AMC, so they were playing H two O. And yeah. did you uh, listen to our commentary? No, I did not listen to the commentary as, as we uh, as I watched <laughs> this. But it was one of those things where I guess that I don't I didn't remember how quickly the ending happens like that movie is 80 minutes it's a short movie <laughs> yeah I guess that's, that's, I guess that's what I'm driving at which is like you know he gets on campus after like faking out LL Cool J and then the end like it it happens very quickly and I guess maybe as a kid I thought that it was longer but you know it gets to its point pretty I mean all the Halloween's are not very except for Rob Zom- Rob Zombies are the ones that are long those are the only ones that are two hours Mm-hmm. Um, the, all well, the I, I guess what I'm saying is like it just quick. felt like it was not that that climactic of a fight scene with Laurie Strode and, and Michael Myers. I mean, it has a pretty intense. I mean, the climax is pretty climactic as far as that goes. Like, it yeah, ends. as long as you don't watch Halloween Resurrection. That's not a movie. Um, mm. you made that up. <laughs> I, yeah, that's one that I'm trying to gre- get greenlit. <laughs> guys, uh, guys, what if we have a movie called Halloween Resurrection? I mean, Michael I'm not Myers- gonna tell you. I'm, I'm not going to tell you to, to cast Buster Rhymes, but let's find the the biggest pop star we can right now, and let's do it. Um. So yeah. Yeah. John, are you even much of a horror? I don't think you're much of a horror guy to begin with. I mean, I I I like watching them, but it does take. I don't just watch them though. I need to hear like it's got to be like. Uh, um. Uh, I'm struggling. It's gotta like it's gotta be like get a lot of buzz about like its uniqueness or so so you know like it follows uh-huh. that was like one of the more recent ones. Um, I hear you. The Ring is one of my favorites back in the day. Like that's gonna have to be the a Gore Verbinski one. Uh, I, the remake not, or the Japanese? Not the I, Japanese one. The okay. actual yeah. yeah. Um, you know what I why watched? Can't, the other why day, can't I actually? think about my favorite horror movie that I just like recently watched? Why, what, what um, Swedish one? Why can't I think of it? Why can't it's Midsummer? Day. Yeah, I watched Summer. I, I, I watched something recently that you you know of. Um, it's called Haunt. Um, that's written and directed by Beck and Woods. Your your boys. No, I've been waiting for it to. Oh, you're friends with Beck and Woods. Something that I can watch. Uh, they come from my hometown. I don't oh, okay. directly know them, but I know 
a lot of their expanded universe of people in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Where, where was that, Aaron? Uh, it recently came out on like a deluxe Blu-ray release. That mm-hmm. Actually, I, uh, wow. was, I was I was uh, able to review, which is all it's on Weiss. Yeah, do they now. spell deluxe with an extra e? Yeah, that's how big it was. Yeah. Oof. Well, what's funny is because they had all these extra features, and I didn't know how close John was to these guys beyond just them being in their hometown. But they have one of their they have their first movie, which is a home movie they made when they were like thirteen. Yeah. Is it called <laughs> Is it called How We Scared John Van Dyke? <laughs> no, but it had a bunch of other friends. There was like, I wonder if John's in this video. <laughs> so that's my thought process. For that. <laughs> Very well. Could see, have been. Obviously, he'll be the only thirteen-year-old that's six feet tall. So that'll probably add up. <laughs> uh, what a what a cool height. <laughs> but yeah, um, so, so I actually I think I've been more into horror the last like five years than the previous. Like it took me a long time. Scream was my gateway to like watching any horror. Oh, okay. Um, back in you know, back in it, the OG ninety-seven. Yeah, because a little too. Ninety-six. It was tough 96. to be scary back then. Like. Friday Thirteenth was like I probably watched that before Scream and it was too much. <laughs> I hear you. Well, John, let me tell you if you want to talk about gateways to horror, we have many horror specials on our Out Now page right now that you can check out and hear some great ideas of things you can check out as far as any genre, any number of genres because we talked about a lot of stuff on there. Oh, can I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, but all right, that was enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Can we thank the listeners? We that thank the great. listeners for uh, for being sure to, to chime in with their answers and everything. It's always fun to kind of get thank through the show. Yeah, but with that all said, all, all good things must come to an end, and that is going to oh. bring us to the end of this week's podcast. That's going to do it for this week's episode about Now There and Abe. You can find more of my work and my personal blog at thecodezeke.com. Everything I do ends up over there, but I'm also writing at weliveentertainment.com for my movie reviews, as well as at whysoblue.com for blue reviews, and I'm on Variety occasionally for filmmaker interviews, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mula, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag, hey there, kiddo. John Van Dyke, where can people find more of you? You know, I don't I don't have anything to promote this week, guys. I'm like, Dodgers? Uh, I'm the person who shows up on your, your talk show couch, and I'm just kind of like, I'm just kind of here just for the, the, the lulls. I like you just, it. You just make sure your groove stays set in that cushion. I get it. <laughs> He's most <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of the like. Uh, mm, <laughs> just Homer, just yep, just on the couch making that groove. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, <laughs> thank you again, John, for joining thank us. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. You can find all the other episodes about Now 30 about iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Automatic, HHWLOD. Feel free to email us your thoughts and on the rocks or anything else we discussed at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. The Libros of Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast and Twitter.com slash podcast. And of course, our Instagram page, Instagram.com slash podcast as well. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Next week, we have options to consider, but mm-hmm. we'll get there. Uh, but thanks for bearing with us. And until next time, so long. And goodbye. Balcony is closed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>